Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're going to get stuck into our rapid review from Origin 2 last night. New South Wales squaring up the series one all with a 44-12 victory. A massive victory for the New South Wales Blues. Uh, pretty wild, it was 14-12 at half time. So the second half was... What, 30 to nil, which is just unbelievable in the Origin Arena, especially when you consider how good uh, this Queensland Maroon side is. The game was obviously in Perth, wasn't a Sydney game. Uh, we already had our Sydney game with Queensland. Did- done and dusted us there, went over to Perth and uh, a very impressive performance from the New South Wales Blues. I've got a heap to touch on, a heap of notes to go through. We will be going into Bloke in a Bar Studios in a couple of hours to do a deep review of Origin 2. Really looking forward to that, but... I'll go through my rapid review quickly and the way that I saw it. Uh, the opening 10 minutes was unreal. It was so quick. It was so physical. Um, I think Queensland's first defensive set, they sort of made me sit back in my chair and go, fuck, we're in some curry here. Uh, they really, they were, looked really good. They they were forcing us back. Their line speed was fantastic. They were just playing aggressively. The defense was really, really brutal. Uh, Munster, he was looking dangerous early. Um, he, he, he almost put uh, Selwyn Cobber over on the right corner there was some great defense from Brian Toe uh, to keep him out the one thing that I did notice and I think we all noticed it I think it was really easy to see on TV was the way that Cameron Munster and DCE were sort of shooting up out of the line you don't see Cam Munster do this all that often you 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 quite often see DCE do stuff like this, but Munster was really shooting out uh, on his edge, and I think it was something that the New South Wales Blues were definitely taking on board. Uh, there was a charge down early that Nathan Cleary managed to win, and personally, I think that if that ball would have kicked on another two bounces instead of just sitting up on its point, I think Nathan probably scores the first try of the game there. Managed to regather the ball, though. One of those little origin moments that we tend to lose quite often, the charge down when the ball's on the ground or bouncing around. So that was great to see. Uh, there was a couple of charge downs that turned out to be big moments in these games. And that, that, that was the very first one when Nathan Cleary... Got that one back. Uh, you could tell that Queensland, they had a plan to kick early. There was a Ben Hunt one where he kicked early out 
a dummy half, um, which, you know, it's they, they, they were just trying to move the New South Wales forwards around. I think you had the Cam Murray HIA uh, in about the eighth or ninth minute, and uh, the Blues led 2-0 after 10 minutes. Liam Martin, he had a loose carry that he challenged, uh, managed to win that one. It was a good challenge, too, by Liam Martin. I probably would have let it go that early. And that was the first 10 minutes, really physical, really tough, uh, very close as well. I mean, I, I did not expect the result to go the way it did based on the first 10 minutes. Queensland looked really up for the contest, um, as did the Blues, to be fair. But, yeah, it's crazy how it played out after that. When you had Cam Murray get injured or HIA'd, uh, you had Angus Crichton come on the field. Now, he went to the left edge, and Liam Martin jumped over to the right edge. There was a little bit of change there. As we said, there was a couple of big uh, charge down plays in this one. And New South Wales had a fantastic defensive set where they kept Queensland with inside their own 30 metres. And when I believe it was TCE went to kick out of his own 30, there was a charge and the ball fell the way of Caelan Ponger and he was in a half gap. And I think it's a tackle that wasn't spoken about enough. But if you go back and watch it, Jake Travojevic makes the most desperate tackle you'll see. Incredible stuff, grabbing him just by the back of the shorts and just holding on enough to make uh, Ponga stumble and fall over. So a huge tackle there by Jake Travojevic. And it's those sort of moments that we really did miss um, from Jake. I, I, I had a couple of mates who were... You know, making comments throughout the game and stuff, saying, "Oh, no, no tackle breaks for Jake." And I understand that side of things that he might not be a huge tackle breaker, but he showed last night in defence um, why we needed him in this side. And, and I thought on this tackle, um, it was massive. So there was the charge down. We gave away a penalty like two tackles later after that Jake one, and then Queensland went up the other end. And I got to tell you, as a New South Wales fan, I feel very lucky because Cobo he absolutely bombed a try. He knocked one on. I think it sort of shocked him that. Brian Toto did such a bad job on the cleanup, but that could have quite easily been um, a Queensland try there, and it probably should have been uh, a Queensland try realistically. We then had the 20-metre tap, and you had Toto and Angus. They were dominating coming out of their own end. I thought Toto was so good. In fact, I thought the back three were unbelievable. Just to give you a little indication of the back three, how good they were. Last night, those three ran for 726 metres and 242 post-contact metres. 726 metres, 242 post-contact metres. The Maroons back three ran for 295 metres and 78 post-contact metres. Incredible stuff. More than double in both categories. Almost three times. Well, actually, it was three times as much post-contact metres by the New South Wales back three, which I thought was incredible. And I'll talk about it a little bit later in the game, but there was a 20-minute period period where these three just went berserk and they real I I think they won this game for New South Wales. I thought Teddy he was incredible. 16th minute, Paddy Carrigan came on. He had good impact. I thought Carrigan was good. Probably wasn't as good as he was in game one. Uh, but I also thought that New South Wales middles in Gerbo, Gus, uh, Isaiah Yo as well, they were really controlling um, the centre third and doing a fantastic job there. It wasn't like game one where Carrigan was able to come on and just bully blokes and go for you know 150 or however many metres he went for. So I thought the New South Wales middles, there was a huge difference there. And obviously having Gerbo on the side, but also having Isaiah Yo, who wasn't concussed for this game, I thought that was massive at all. Uh, we get to the, 
about the women's first. So you, you have Harry Grant. He comes on in the twenty second minute. Grant on and Hunt. He jumps into a thirteen role. It's still two nil at this point. Um, there is there ha- hasn't been a heap go either way. Queensland were unlucky not to score through Selwyn Cobbo, but it's a pretty even um, even fight at this point. Grant comes on, Hunt into a thirteen role, which I thought was interesting. That's obviously how they plan to overcome uh, Ruben Cotter, which we spoke about in game one. We didn't speak about it as much in game two, uh, and then Felice Kafusi scores. Now, probably a controversial one. I sort of thought it could have maybe floated forward, but I still thought it was great ball playing from KP. And at that point, I had written here, great ball from KP, having an unreal series. And he really is, despite the loss last night, um, a couple of poor defensive efforts at fullback. But I think KP, ball playing-wise, fuck, he's having a good series. The way that he's able to go so quickly and, and move at such a quick pace and have these jagged movements and then... Just ball play so softly. We talk about thinking fast and playing slow, but the way that he takes on the line fast and he steps fast and then he plays slow is incredible from KP. Uh, Kafusi scored there. Uh, it was a huge moment for Kafusi. Wouldn't be the biggest of the game, though. We'll talk about the biggest moment involving Kafusi very soon. I thought Junior Bolo, when he came on, it was the 24th minute, uh, and I thought he was great. And my, my biggest worry with Junior Bolo always is that because he's got such a tremendous uh, ball-playing skill that sometimes he, he overuses it. And I thought in game one, he just overdid it. The thing with Junior that I would love to see him add to his game, uh, you know, we, we obviously we always talk about how much of a great ball player he is and he's like a halfback stuff, stuck in a front row of his body, and I understand that. But what makes Junior so so hard to handle is that he is stuck in a front rower's body. And, and I, I personally think if, if I was coaching Junior, I would tell him your first three or four hit-ups, do not pass the ball. I need you to go forward and I need you to be as damaging as you possibly can. You look at game one when Junior came on, he tried to ball play a little bit too much, balls going all over the place. And the thing about Junior's ball playing, and something I would love to see him add to his game, is that whenever he does ball play, he plants his foot. Uh, and it's straight away, it just turns the defense off because he's not the sort of guy, he's not a Jerome Luo where he can dummy plant his foot and then accelerate off that. He's, he's a front rower, so he's obviously slower off the mark. For me, you look at the way that Isaiah Yo ball plays, and I know it's hard to compare to Isaiah Yo, but you look at the way that he ball plays, he very rarely plants his foot. He just manages to do everything at speed whilst moving and it just creates so much more havoc for the defensive line I thought Bolo when he came on didn't worry about passing didn't worry about trying to be a ball player just went forward and of course his first hit up he plays direct and they got a six again off the back of it and for me if he takes his first three or four and he just runs as damaging as he can be uh, all of a sudden I think it opens up so many more opportunities for him and he's got to earn that right to ball play and he, he, he will get an understanding of that as he goes on there's, it, it's tough for ball playing forwards because, you know, like they're, they're so talented and they can do things that other guys can't. And when they do do it, they get so much applause. But they really need to understand when to pick their moments. And this is where I'd say Yo is so good. And, you know, quite often the the forward that picks their moments better will be more effective than the better ball player as a forward because it, just because you're a good ball player, if you don't pick your moments and when to do it, um, it, it can really hinder your team. And I think we saw that in game one with Junior Realistic. I love the way that he went about his work last night. I think Freddie would have sent a message to him, hey, we don't need ball movement. I just need you to go forward. The boys have got this. Just go forward. And I thought Junior, he did really well in this game. I, I thought he was very impressive. And I think that's just what he's got to add to his game. You look at the great 
ball playing forwards over time. Even when you go back and watch, you know, like the old tapes of Artie and Gavin Miller and these sort of guys, it's their pass selection and their timing that really makes the difference. And I think this is something the junior, uh, he's probably got to develop in his game and it's not easy. It takes a lot of time and, you know, we're sort of comparing him to Isaiah Yo, obviously, who I think is one of the best play, ball playing forwards we've ever seen. The way that the modern game is played, I'm not sure how many of these guys from the past could have actually could, could actually do what Isaiah Yo's doing at the moment. And the big thing for me with Isaiah is that he doesn't plant his foot. And this is something that I'd love to see Junior bring into his game. Uh, Burton scored off the back of all this. Uh, a rush defence. Cleary sees it. He sees what's happening with DCE. Uh, puts a kick in behind and Burton... A great pickup. I mean, just when you're watching on camera, you go, yeah, good try. But for him to be there in that moment, for him to, uh, uh, for Cleary to address in a split second, DCE, he's come up, he's shot out of the line. There must be space there somewhere and puts a perfect kick in. But also credit to Matty Burton. I thought his debut was unbelievable. And for him to pick up that ball, you saw guys were slipping and sliding all over the park. And this guy, he just cleans this ball up. I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Burton's debut... Uh, was unreal. Like, he, he was everywhere for the Blues. Scoring a try, he had a try, six, six, six tackle breaks. He had a key one-on-one strip and a couple of huge nudges throughout this game. The way that he nuts these balls, he is, he is just in a class of some of the greatest kickers I think I've ever seen. I would put him up there with your Stickies, your Joeys, your Lockies, your Freddies. That one bomb he did last night, that was like nothing I've seen before. I could not believe how high and how far that went. Poor old Murray Tualangi, I couldn't think of anywhere fucking worse to be. I said last week that I was lucky enough to go out and watch him live last week, and it is the first time I've seen him live. And just watching the ball come off his foot and just listening to it come off his foot, um, he is a supreme talent, Matty Burton. And, you know, I mentioned on Bloke in a Bar last week that, you know, I, I someone came out and said, oh, who would you rather have running at you, Matt Burton or Tony Staggs? And, you know, you, you'd straight away say Matt Burton, but I did say at the time, like, he's just got a bit of shit about him, Matt Burton, and I love it. He loves a challenge. He loves to go face-to-face with a challenge. You saw what he did in the 2021 season playing centre, and, you know, more of it last night from Matt Burton. I thought he was unreal. I was very, very impressed with him. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what the New South Wales Blues do for Game 3 because... You've got Matt Burton at left centre, and I, 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 don't, I personally don't think you can drop Matt Burton because of that left foot kicking game. I think you need him for game three, especially with Murray Tuolangi and Selwyn Cobbo, two young guys at fullback. Um, KP is normally pretty safe, uh, but the thing with KP, and I think it was Joey mentioned it on the um, on the commentary last night, when he catches the ball, he tends to go to ground with the really high bombs, so... For me, the longer Matt Burton can have the ball on the ground, the more that you can actually attack that around KP. So when I look at those three, personally, I think Matt Burton has to stay at left centre. He has to be in this team somewhere. I want him on there the entire time to put up these bombs whenever he possibly can. So Burton has to stay left. You've got Stephen Crichton at right, who I think has done well enough to probably hold his spot. But then you've got Jack Whiten, who was man of the match in game one, our best player by a country mile. And then you've got Latrell Mitchell, who is arguably one of our best centers of the last decade. The only person you can put in front of him is Tommy Turbo for me. And even then I'm like, well, I don't know. Is Latrell the better center? I think there's a fair argument that he probably is. But you've then got Whiten and Latrell, who are both left centers. Does one of them shift over to the right? Personally, I feel like you simply have to bring Latrell into this side. I, I can't see a world where I don't. I posted a thing last night and Latrell came out and said, oh, you know, Burton can have the number four jersey. And I love that confidence by Latrell to say, I'm going to win back my three jersey. But 
I don't know if you can have Matt Burton at right centre with his left foot kicking game. I, I, I don't know if that's going to work, to be honest with you. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think that that little asset that he brings to this game, I think it's near impossible not to have him on the left-hand side. And then you say, well, I mean, fuck, does he go and play 5-8? But you couldn't possibly drop Jerome Luai. He's been the best ball player probably in this series across both games, I thought. Um, so very tough. Interesting to see how the Blues handle this one and how they work all these guys into the into this team because it's going to be incredibly important. And I'm not sure if you can realistically move Appy or Damian Cook. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know which direction they're going to go for game three. It's going to be very, very interesting. But, yeah, Matt Burton, I thought he was sensational. Very, very impressive. Scored this try that was great. Came off the back of DCE shooting up. He obviously has been responsible for a fair whack of tries in this Origin series. It'll be interesting. Obviously, game three, he will stay there. But heading into next season, I mean, if the Blues lose this series and we see um, DCE concede any more points in game three or he's costly and they lose up there, it might be time that you see a change of DCE. And I, I, it really wouldn't shock me. I think Tommy Dearden, he's been getting a lot of experience throughout this entire camp. Is he a halfback? I don't know. You've also got Sam Walker, who hasn't really been in the Queensland system just yet. But um, DCE, he needs to sort out his defense because you know that Slater and you know that 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 um, Cameron Smith, I mean, their entire careers have been built off solid defense, yeah? And the way that DCE defends and the opportunities that he leaves to the New South Wales Blues, I'm, sh- I'm sure they will not be happy with it at all. Um, there was a moment there, the Blues, they had a great set after points. They kicked deep. Uh, Luai and Burton get stuck into DCE. They give away a penalty. Personally, I like the boys getting stuck into him, but you've got to sort of know how far you're going to go. Give away a penalty here was pretty, uh, pretty costly. They kick for touch. Now, I can't remember who it was, but whoever took the first hit up, um, there was two guys up top, and you had Junior Paulo, and he was the guy that was meant to take the legs. Instead of getting down and taking the legs, he held the leg of the player. I've got a feeling it might have been Kurt Capewell off the top of my head, but I'm not – it might actually – it was probably Felice Cafuzzi. He was on the right edge. Have a look at it yourself, though. There's a moment where Paulo, he should have wrapped the legs, and he should have put the player on the ground. Instead, he tried to pull the right leg of the player, um, and the player with the ball just hopped forward three or four metres, and it just, it just got Queensland a bit of an advantage because Junior Bolo let him stay on his feet, he got a quick play the ball, and Harry Grant just went bang. He he, he got on the front foot. All of a sudden, it, it just started this domino effect of the entire set. And three tackles later, because Queensland's on the front foot, Cam Munster scores. KP gets on the outside of Critter, um, finds, I think it was Val Holmes, back on the inside to put Cam Munster under the sticks. And, you know, it comes back to that penalty of trying to ruffle up. DCE, but then it also comes back to Junior Bolo not just taking the legs and putting the guy on the ground. And it just shows you how important winning the contact is, winning that tackle. And go back and have a look at it. Can't remember what minute it is, but it's the set before Munster scores. Worth going and having a look at. But beautiful play by KP getting to the outside of Stephen Crichton. Um, as I said, KP is having one hell of a series. He's been very, very impressive. Ten minutes before half time, uh, Queensland starting to get on the front foot here. In the 33rd minute, Damian Cook comes on the field. Uh, I expected him to come on a little bit later, to be honest with you. Um, the Blues, they're starting to get a little bit w- willy-nilly at this point. Um, I think they had the advantage at one point, and they, they went for like eight or nine passes on the trot, eventually knocked the ball on. Personally, I thought they were very, very lucky to keep the advantage on that play, uh, but they did, thankfully, because it could have been absolute curry if they didn't. I, I thought the Queensland scramble at that point. They'd just been fantastic. Um, there was an escort penalty from Queensland that was 
let go at first and then was brought back. Look, I thought it was pretty tough, this one, to be honest with you. Valentine Holmes, he always had his eyes on the ball. Yes, he probably got in the way of Daniel Tupu, but he can't disappear. Personally, I think if it wasn't, I think one of the commentators said, if it's not blatant enough to call it live, probably let it go. I, I thought that was a tough one. Um, the Kafusi Simbin. Very harsh, I thought. Uh, as a New South Welshman, it made me very happy, but I thought it was very, very harsh. Uh, obviously, he did hold down too long in that tackle. Uh, a penalty, I think the I think the referee said repeat infringements, which there was a lot of repeat infringements, but I just thought that they were a collection of all different things. I think the DCE made a pretty good point. And personally, I don't really want to see this sort of stuff happen in the Origin Arena. I don't recall uh, the referee giving DCE and the Queensland boys a warning that if it happens again, a player will, will go to the sin bin. I think in the Origin Arena, you probably need to because there's an argument that this sin bin sort of decided the game. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to say it decided the game, but there's no argument that it played a role. It 100% did, and I thought it was a poor call. I don't think Felice Cafusi should have been sin binned in that moment. Um, and of course, the the Penrith connection, they made them pay very quickly. Brian Toto scoring uh, off a Matt Burton quick ball. You can just see Burton, he's just made for this stage. Some of the stuff that he comes up with, he is a sensational player. So at halftime, it was 14-12 to New South Wales. I think we still had six minutes of Felice Cafusi off the field after halftime. Um, my, my, my notes for halftime at 14-12... Burton and KP were the best on the ground so far. I had Toto, he'd run for 109 metres, Teddy 90, Tupu 90, uh, Gerbo and Yo winning contacts through the middle. 15 tackle breaks between Teddy, Toto and Tupu, very impressive. Isaiah Yo was on 24 tackles. I also noticed that DC and Munster had made 30 tackles in the first half combined, so the Blues are really getting at them. They were also shooting up, to be fair, and coming up with, with some contacts there, but that's a lot of work for your two ball players to get through early. Um, I'll be honest with you, at halftime, 14-12, I was feeling confident, but the reality was that all the stats favoured New South Wales. They were all in our favour. We were only up by two. So as much as I was confident, there was no doubt in my mind that the scoreboard-wise, we probably should have been up by more than what we were. And to be honest with you, we were probably lucky in some degree to, to be up by two because uh, you obviously had Selwyn Cobbo who he definitely should have scored a try off that kick. So a bit of a weird one, but 14-12, I, I really didn't anticipate what was about to happen. Um, it was a good first set for the Blues. Burton put up a monster bomb off the end of it. Um, Queensland were lucky to get a penalty off the back of it. The discipline was costing us early there. That Burton bomb was sensational. We spoke about it earlier when talking about him. That was just something else. Um, you got to remember too that when Burton put this bomb down to a luggy got it we gave away a penalty like two tackles later to get them out of their own end Queensland had 12 at that point it was a really important moment for New South Wales to keep them down their end and we sort of let them off a little bit uh, which worried me a little bit Uh, we then sort of you know it it got back into the uh, toing and froing of the game Cobbo uh, a moment I want to talk about uh, he took a big run out of his own half really took him to the line got absolutely smashed dropped the ball Really rattling for anyone in the Origin Arena. For an 18-year-old, extremely rattling. The New South Wales Blues, you know, it was obviously in a key moment that Cobbo made that mistake. Uh, the New South Wales Blues, they then turned the ball over. Stephen Crichton threw a forward pass to Junior Bolo, uh, who his hands to get it back to Crichton were unbelievable. But for me, a bit of a low percentage p- 
play, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if it's something they worked on during the week or not, uh, but your centre throw into your front rower and a real line ball pass, those are going to quite often uh, be called forward. So I wasn't overly huge on it. Off the scrum, though, guess who takes the next hit up? Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, pulled himself back in the middle. He could have quite easily uh, had a little kip out on his wing, a little bit rattled from that drop ball. That tells me how good uh, this kid's going to be because that's the sort of attitude he's got as an 18-year-old in the biggest arena that he's ever been in. So well done to Selwyn Cobbo. It was a tough knock on. Didn't cost his team too badly. And then the next time they had the ball, he put his hand up and took the first hit up. So I love to see that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Queensland kicked deep at the end of that set. Tupu threw an awful pass in the backfield. Thankfully, Teddy sort of made a half break um, just a few moments later. That set was really good. There was a Cleary and a Murray offload that were just causing havoc. We put a great kick down the right edge, and Cameron Munster, he came through with a huge offload. Just something, you know, it was a pretty quiet night for Munster, realistically. But that kick that was on the ground, it looked like he was going to get taken back in the in goals, and he scooped it up off the ground in slippery conditions and passed to his winger in one motion. He's an absolute freak, Cam Munster. Uh, wasn't long after that we went down the other end uh, and Daniel Tupu scored. Uh, Cleary threw a perler of a ball uh, off the back of a bomb uh, that was put down by Nathan. I believe it was Nathan Cleary. It might have been Matt Burton, but I'm pretty sure it was Nathan Cleary. A great ball by him to put Tupu over. I thought it was sensational. You throw those those long floating passes, there's always a risk there, but it's obviously something that they've seen with Murray Tuolungi during the week and something that they thought they could take advantage of. So well done to Nath. A cracking ball uh, there to put Daniel Tupu over for that try. Now you might remember at the start of the year, it was about round eight, round nine, we went through uh, a couple, all the stats of every single game so far this season whenever there was a Sinbin. And we spoke about the impacts of Sinbins. And what the data sort of showed us, and I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but what the data showed us is that on average, teams went down by about one try during that period. Yeah, So during that 10 minutes when they had 12 on the field, they went down by about one try, which isn't great. Uh, some games, teams went down by 18 or 20. Other games, teams Teams, you know, just stayed all even. On most occasions, they conceded about one try around that point. I I think it was about eight points uh, that teams usually conceded during that period. But what I found was that you actually felt the impact of the sin bin in the period after that. So the period from when your 13th player comes back on the field to the next break. Now, sometimes that's half time. In in this instance, um, Felicia Kafusi was off for the first six minutes. So the first six minutes, the Blues went berserk. Teddy Tupu Toto, talk about him in a minute, but their, their, their running meters during this period was just crazy. And then you saw Felice Cavusi come back onto the field. But as we said at the start of the year, it's the impact that you feel from a sin bin after that and to the end of the game. And no shock after that point, uh, the New South Wales Blues absolutely blew them away. And just to show you what I'm talking about with that back three impact. So in the 15 minutes after halftime, yeah, so in this period where, where, where you feel the sin bin the most, so six of those minutes were when Felice Cavusi was off the field the next nine minutes or when he was back on the field. And that's where it really hurts because you get him back, but everyone's done so much work during that period. It's really tough to recover from that. 
James Tedesco, in the 15 minutes after halftime, he ran for 100 metres. Daniel Tupu, the 15 minutes after halftime, he ran for 70 metres. And Brian Toto, he ran for 80 metres in the, in the 15 minutes after halftime. So when you consider that all these guys ran for about, you know, 200, 250-odd metres, nearly half of their run metres came during this period, which was pretty insane. Teddy, he ran, I think he ran 260 metres, 100 of them came in this 15 minutes. Tupu, he ran 200 metres, 70 of them came in this period. And I think Toto, he was about 240 metres and 80 of them came in this 15-minute period. So it was a big, big period for the New South Wales Blues coming out of their own end. Um, And then came a five-minute masterclass from Jonathan Thurston. This was uh, from Nathan Cleary, sorry. Uh, I compared him to Jonathan Thurston. I'll get to that in a second. But this five minutes of Cleary, I know everyone's going to talk about the tries at the back end of the game, and, you know, that's all good and well. He'd already come up with the two-pit tries. He'd already come up with the charge down that he regathered. But this five minutes was huge. Um, Cleary, he almost kicks a 40-20, just misses it. A huge kick chase from Liam Martin that buries them down that end. Queensland kicks from their own 30-metre line off the back of a great kick from Cleary, a good defensive set from New South Wales. Uh, Toto returns it to, to like the 30-metre line. He gets back. Cleary forces a dropout on fourth. Now, this is why I got my tongue twisted before. Four tackles. So it wasn't last. It was four tackle. He saw that Tuolangi, the left winger for Queensland, was up. So he just put in a little dab kick from about 35 metres out. And this reminded me so much of Thurston. Um, Thurston was the absolute king of this. Forcing a repeat set from 30 or 40 metres out without it being a bomb, without it being a grubber. Just a, just a little chip. Just, just getting the pitching wedge out, chipping it over the line and just letting it roll into the in goals. It was a huge play on fourth tackle because if he kicks it short... Everyone goes, what the fuck is Nathan Cleary doing? What 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 a nothing kick. What a stupid way to turn the ball over. He kicks it too deep. He gives away a seven-tackle set. This kick had to be perfect, and Cleary absolutely nailed it. It was so impressive. They get the force drop out a couple of tackles later. New, the Queensland Marines, they're absolutely exhausted. This is where the, the fatigue comes in from that sin bin. This is where they the, the, the last five minutes of kicking from... Nathan Cleary absolutely exhausted them. The ball goes to the wrong person. Um, Damien Cook throws it to the wrong guy. This is another thing I'm worried about with Damien Cook and what I spoke about in the lead-up to this game. It went to Jerome Luai, thankfully. It turned out okay with them. Jerome Luai just went bang, bang, bang. Uh, left Nanai for dead. A poor defensive effort from him and a poor defensive effort from, from Dane Gagai. But... Gagai, he understands rugby league. He's a good defender. Uh, He didn't just get lazy on this play. He was exhausted. And this is where the fatigue starts to kick in off the back of that sim. But Jerome Luai, a cracking individual try for him. We spoke about him in the lead-up to game one, saying how we're really excited to see him uh, on this big stage and with a centre like Jack White and where he is all of a sudden the main ball player. Now, of course... He got Matt Burton back in this game, so I was a little bit worried that Luai would be quiet once again, but this is a huge play for him. Uh, Probably the peaking moment of his origin career so far, coming up with that try, I I thought it was massive, outside of obviously winning the series last year. But just as an individual, I thought it was a great try. You could see how excited he was after that one. Uh, But yeah, that five minutes from Nathan Cleary, where he almost kicked a 40-20, Led the kick chase. Him and Liam Martin belted him down there. He then forced a repeat set from 30 or 40 metres out. Very Jonathan Thurston-esque. Very, very impressive stuff. We'll talk about Nathan Cleary a little bit later today. We'll go a little bit more in depth. Uh, but, yeah, all the, the, that five minutes from him that led to the Jerome Luai try. Um, and then, of course, 
in the last 10, 15 minutes, Nathan Cleary just goes to another level. He scores two tries, comes off his right foot, leaves them all for dead, and then dummies and goes another time to score his second try. Angus Crichton scored the last try, um, running a, a a line out the back of Jake Trevojevic, one that just came along. Uh, what, what wasn't a planned try or anything, but... Nathan Cleary, he blew him away in the last 10 minutes, scoring two tries, which was great. But it was what he did in the, in, in the minutes leading up to that that really impressed me. Um, a big win for New South Wales. Very, very impressive stuff. I was very happy with the result. Uh, I think Queensland, you know, for the first 20 minutes, it was close. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say 20. Until halftime, it was very close. And Queensland were probably unlucky not to be in front at halftime, considering that try that didn't go their way um, with, with Selwyn Cobbe. I, 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 th- I think the Cleanup was so poor by Brian Toto that it sort of shocked Selwyn Cobbo uh, into a knock-on there. But New South Wales in the second half, they blew them away. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I can't hide away from it that the sin bin had a huge impact on this game. I did not think it was the right call. I would not have sin bin Felice Cafusi in that moment. Um, I'd love to know, once again, I said it before, if the Queensland Maroons were given a warning before that, the next person would go. I think in, an, in the Origin Arena, you should be given that warning. Um, so, yeah, It'll be interesting to see the backlash from that one. There's no doubt it had an impact on this game, but I still did think that the better team won, and I thought that uh, the best ball player on the field last night was Nathan Cleary, and he got the job done. Shout-out to Queensland, though. Um, Obviously, a a disappointing loss. They held in the game for a long time. I probably thought KP was one of their best. I I thought he was really strong. Outside of that, I thought Paddy Carrigan was strong once again. Uh, I think he knocked up about 40 tackles and just over 100 metres. It was a tough night for metres, realistically. Their top... Their top metres run was KP, 123. So pretty disappointing there for Queensland. Uh, But, I mean, at the end of the day, for New South Wales, the job is not done. They've got to go up to Brisbane now, which is going to be incredibly tough. Um, The Queensland Maroons, they'll be really looking forward to that one. Not a single forward over 100 metres outside of Pat Carrigan, who got 103 for the Queensland Maroons. So uh, some pretty disappointing numbers all around there. Uh, Lindsay Collins under 50. Josh Papali under 50, Kirk Capel under 50, Felice Cafusi under 50, uh, Tino went for 78. Um, so, yeah, pretty disappointing. Tino and Carrigan, the only Queensland forwards to go above 50 run metres. So very, very disappointing for the Queensland Maroons there. They'll be back with a bang in game throw, I have no doubt about it. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Stay tuned, we've got plenty more content coming on the Rugby League Guru podcast today. We'll talk about Nathan Cleary and where he's at at his career. We'll be talking about that very soon. Uh, and then we'll be going into Bloke in a Bar Studios to record our deep dive review from Origin 2 and Rep Round as well. It's going to be a cracking episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. It'll be available on YouTube the afternoon and on the Rugby League Guru podcast over the next 24 hours, kicking off with some this afternoon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 